0: book 4 chapter 8 of the return of the native by thomas hardy this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org book 4 the closed door chapter 8 yestacia hears of good fortune and beholds evil In the meantime Eustacia, left alone in her cottage at Alderworth, had become considerably depressed by the posture of affairs. The consequences which might result from Klim's discovery that his mother had been turned from his door that day were likely to be disagreeable, and this was a quality in events which she hated as much as the dreadful. To be left to pass the evening by herself was irksome to her at any time and this evening it was more irksome than usual, by reason of the excitements of the past hours. The two visits had stirred her into restlessness. She was not wrought to any great pitch of uneasiness by the probability of appearing in an ill light in the discussion between Clem and his mother, but she was wrought to vexation, and her slumbering activities were quickened to the extent of wishing that she had opened the door. She had certainly believed that Clem was awake and the excuse would be an honest one, as far as it went. But nothing could save her from censure in refusing to answer at the first knock. Yet, instead of blaming herself for the issue, she laid the fault upon the shoulders of some indistinct colossal prince of the world, who had framed her situation and ruled her lot. At this time of the year it was pleasanter to walk by night than by day and when clem had been absent about an hour she suddenly resolved to go out in the direction of bloom's end on the chance of meeting him on his return when she reached the garden gate she heard wheels approaching and looking round beheld her grandfather coming up in his car
1: i can't stay a minute thank ye
0: he answered to her greeting
1: i am driving to east egdon but i came round here just to tell you the news perhaps you have heard about mr wildeve's fortune "'No,'
0: said Eustacia, blankly.
1: "'Well, he has come into a fortune of eleven thousand pounds. Uncle died in Canada just after hearing that all his family, whom he was sending home, had gone to the bottom in the Cassiopeia. So Wildeve has come into everything, without in the least expecting it.'
0: Eustacia stood motionless a while.
1: "'How long has he known of this?' she asked. "'Well, it was known to him this morning early, "'for I knew it at ten o'clock when Charlie came back. "'Now he is what I call a lucky man. "'What a fool you were, Eustacia!' "'In what way?'
0: she said, lifting her eyes in apparent calmness.
1: "'Why, in not sticking to him when you had him?' "'Had him, indeed!' "'I did not know there had ever been anything between you till lately, "'and faith I should have been hot and strong against it if I had known.' But since it seems that there was some sniffling between you, why the deuce didn't you stick to him?
0: Miss made no reply, but she looked as if she could say as much upon that subject as he, if she chose.
1: And how is your poor, poor blind husband?
0: Continued the old man.
1: Not a bad fellow either, as far as he goes. He is quite well. It is a good thing for his cousin, what do you call her? By George, you ought to have been in that galley, my girl. Now I must drive on. Do you want any assistance? What's mine is yours, you know.
2: Thank you, Grandfather. We are not in want at present,
0: she said coldly.
2: Clym cuts furs, but he does it mostly as a useful pastime, because
1: he can do nothing else. He is paid for his pastime, isn't he? Three shillings a hundred, I heard. Clym has money,
0: she said, colouring.
1: But he likes to earn a little. Very well. Good night.
0: And the captain drove on. When her grandfather was gone, Eustacia went on her way mechanically. But her thoughts were no longer concerning her mother-in-law and Clym. Wild Eve, notwithstanding his complaints about his fate, had been seized upon by destiny and placed in the sunshine once more. Eleven thousand pounds. From every Egdon point of view, he was a rich man. In Eustacia's eyes, too, it was an ample sum, one sufficient to supply those wants of hers which had been stigmatized by Clym in his more austere moods, as vain and luxurious. Though she was no lover of money, she loved what money could bring, and the new accessories she imagined around him colored Wild Eve with a great deal of interest. She recollected now how quietly well-dressed he had been that morning. He had probably put on his newest suit, regardless of damage by briars and thorns, and then she thought of his manner towards herself.
2: "'Oh, I see it, I see it,' she said. "'How much he wishes he had me now, that he might give me all I desire!'
0: In recalling the details of his glances and words, at the time scarcely regarded, it became plain to her how greatly they had been dictated by his knowledge of this new event
2: had he been a man to bear a jilt ill-will he would have told me of his good fortune in crowing tones instead of doing that he mentioned not a word in deference to my misfortunes and merely implied that he loved me still as one superior to him
0: wild eve's silence that day on what had happened to him was just the kind of behaviour calculated to make an impression on such a woman Those delicate touches of good taste were, in fact, one of the strong points in his demeanour towards the other sex. The peculiarity of Wildeve was that, while at one time passionate, upbraiding, and resentful towards a woman, at another he would treat her with such unparalleled grace as to make previous neglect appear as no discourtesy, injury as no insult, interference as a delicious attention, and the ruin of her honour an excess of chivalry. This man, whose admiration to-day Eustacia had disregarded, whose good wishes she had scarcely taken the trouble to accept, whom she had shown out of the house by the back door, was the possessor of eleven thousand pounds, a man of fair professional education, and one who had served his articles with a civil engineer. So intent was Eustacia upon wild Eve's fortunes that she forgot how much closer to her own course were those of Clym and instead of walking on to meet him at once, she sat down upon a stone. She was disturbed in her reverie by a voice behind, and turning her head, beheld the old lover and fortunate inheritor of wealth immediately beside her. She remained sitting, though the fluctuation in her look might have told any man who knew her so well as Wild Eve that she was thinking of him.
2: "'How did you come here?'
3: she said in a clear low tone.
2: I thought you were at home.
3: I went on to the village after leaving your garden, and now I have come back again, that's all. Which way were you walking, may I ask? She waved her head in the direction of Bloom's End.
2: I am going to meet my husband. I think I may possibly have got into trouble whilst you were with me today.
3: How could that be?
2: By not letting in Mrs. Yeobright.
3: I hope that visit of mine did you no harm.
2: None. It was not your fault.
3: She said quietly by this
0: time she had risen and they involuntarily sauntered on together without speaking for two or three minutes when eustacia broke silence by saying-i
2: assume i must congratulate you
3: on what oh, oh yes on my eleven thousand pounds you mean well since i didn't get something else i must be content with getting that
2: you seem very indifferent about it why didn't you tell me to-day when you came
0: she said in the tone of a neglected person
2: I heard of it quite by accident."
3: "'I did mean to tell you,' said Wild Eve. "'But I—' Well, I will speak frankly. I did not like to mention it, when I saw, Eustacia, that your star was not high. The sight of a man lying wearied out with hard work, as your husband lay, made me feel that to brag of my own fortune to you would be greatly out of place. Yet, as you stood there beside him, I could not help feeling too, that in many respects he was a richer man than I. At this Eustacia said, with slumbering mischievousness,
2: What? Would you exchange with him your fortune, for me?
3: I certainly would, said Wild Eve.
2: As we are imagining what is impossible and absurd, suppose we change the subject.
3: Very well, and I will tell you of my plans for the future, if you care to hear them. I shall permanently invest nine thousand pounds. Keep 1,000 as ready money, and with the remaining 1,000, travel for a year or so.
2: Travel? What a bright idea! Where will you go to?
3: From here to Paris, where I shall pass the winter and spring. Then I shall go to Italy, Greece, Egypt, and Palestine, before the hot weather comes on. In the summer I shall go to America, and then, by a plan not yet settled, I shall go to Australia and round to India. By that time I shall have begun to have had enough of it. Then I shall probably come back to Paris again, and there I shall stay as long as I can afford to.'
2: "'Back to Paris again,'
3: she murmured, in a voice that was nearly
0: a sigh. She had never once told Wildeve of the Parisian desires which Clem's description had sown in her, yet here he was, involuntarily, in a position
3: to gratify them.'
2: "'You think a good deal of Paris?'
3: she added. "'Yes.' In my opinion, it is the central beauty-spot of the world.
2: And in mine. And Thomason will go with you?
3: Yes, if she cares to. She may prefer to stay at home.
2: So you will be going about, and I shall be staying here.
3: I suppose you will, but we know whose fault that is.
2: I am not blaming you,
3: she said quickly. Oh, I thought you were. If ever you should be inclined to blame me, think of a certain evening by Rainbarrow when you promised to meet me, and did not. You sent me a letter, and my heart ached to read that, as I hope yours never will. That was one point of divergence. Then I did something in haste. But she is a good woman, and I will say no more."
2: I know that the blame was on my side that time,"
3: said Eustacia.
2: But it had not always been so. However, it is my misfortune to be too sudden in feeling oh damon don't reproach me any more i can't bear that
0: they went on silently for a distance of two
3: or three miles when eustacia said suddenly
2: haven't you come out of your way mr wildeve
3: my way is anywhere to-night i will go with you as far as the hill on which we can see bloom's end as it's getting late for you to be alone
2: don't trouble i am not obliged to be out at all i think i would rather you did not accompany me further this sort of thing would have an odd look if known
3: very well i will leave you
0: he took her hand unexpectedly and kissed it for the first time since her marriage what light is that on the hill he added as it were to hide the caress she looked and saw a flickering firelight proceeding from the open side of a hovel a little way before them the hovel which she had hitherto always found empty seemed to be inhabited now
2: since you have come so far
0: said eustacia
2: will you see me safely past that hut i thought i should have met klim somewhere about here but as he doesn't appear i will hasten on and get to bloom's end before he leaves
0: they advanced to the turf shed and when they got near it the firelight and the lantern inside showed distinctly enough the form of a woman reclining on a bed of fern a group of heath men and women standing around her Eustacia did not recognize Mrs. Yobright in the reclining figure, nor Klim as one of the standers-by, till she came close. Then she quickly pressed her hand up on Wild Eve's arm, and signified to him to come back from the open side of the shed into the shadow.
2: "'It is my husband, and his mother,'
0: she whispered in an agitated voice.
2: "'What can it mean? Will you step forward, and tell me?'
0: Wildive left her side, and went to the back wall of the hut presently eustacia perceived that he was beckoning to her and she advanced and joined him it is a serious case said wild eve from their position they could hear what was proceeding inside i cannot think where she could have been going said clim to someone.
4: she had evidently walked a long way but even when she was able to speak just now she would not tell me where what do you really think of her there is a great deal to fear
0: was gravely answered in a voice which eustacia recognized as that of the only surgeon in the district
4: she has suffered somewhat from the bite of the adder but it is exhaustion which has overpowered her my impression is that her walk must have been exceptionally long
0: i used to tell her not to overwalk herself in this weather said Clym with distress do you think we did well in using the adder's fat
4: "'Well, it is a very ancient remedy, the old remedy of the viper-catchers, I believe,'
0: replied the doctor.
4: "'It is mentioned as an infallible ointment by Hoffman, Mead, and, I think, the Abbe Fontana. Undoubtedly, it was as good a thing as you could do, though I question if some other oils would not have been equally efficacious.' "'Come here, come here!'
0: was then rapidly said in anxious female tones and Clym and the doctor could be heard rushing forward from the back part of the shed to where mrs yobright
3: lay
2: oh what is it
3: whispered Eustacia. 'Twas twas thomasin who spoke said wild Eve. then they have fetched her i wonder if i had better go in yet it might do harm for a long time there was utter silence among the group within and
0: it was broken at last by Klim saying in an agonized voice, Oh, doctor, what does it mean? The doctor did not reply at once. Ultimately, he said,
4: She is sinking fast. Her heart was previously affected, and physical exhaustion has dealt the finishing blow.
0: Then there was a weeping of women, then waiting, then hushed exclamations, then a strange gasping sound, then a painful stillness.
4: "'It is all over,'
0: said the doctor. Further back in the hut the cotters whispered,
4: "'Mrs. Yerbright is dead.'
0: Almost at the same moment the two watches observed the form of a small, old-fashioned child entering at the open side of the shed. Susan Nunsuch, whose boy it was, went forward to the opening and silently beckoned him to go back.
4: I've got something to tell you, mother,
0: he cried in a shrill tone.
4: That woman asleep there walked along with me today, and she said I was to say that I had seen her, and that she was a broken hearted woman, and cast off by her son, and then I came on home.
0: A confused sob, as from a man, was heard within, upon which Eustacia gasped faintly.
4: That's
2: Clem. I must go to him. Yet dare I do it. No. "'Come away.'
0: "'When they had withdrawn from the neighbourhood of the Shed, "'she said huskily,
2: "'I am to blame for this. "'There is evil in store for me.'
3: "'Was she not admitted to your house after all?' "'Wild Eve inquired.
2: "'No, and that's where it all lies. "'Oh, what shall I do? "'I shall not intrude upon them. "'I shall go straight home. "'Damon, good-bye. "'I cannot speak to you any more now.'
0: "'They parted company. And when Eustacia had reached the next hill, she looked back. A melancholy procession was wending its way by the light of the lantern from the hut towards Bloom's End. Wild Eve was nowhere to be seen. End of Book Four, Chapter Eight. End of Book Four.